It's a great day to be in God's presence. And I love talking about the fact, when I, whenever I say this is the day that the Lord has made, we shall rejoice and be glad in it. As I believe that every day is fashioned by God. God has weaved together the events of every day um, to bring us to a place and push us further into the destiny and the call that he has for our life. And so we're so excited about this time of year as always. But as I've shared in this series over the past couple of weeks, that um, the, the holiday season, though it should be the most joyous, exciting, happy time of the year, uh, it, it means different things to different people. It, it, different emotions, different feelings, different things uh, come into people's hearts and people's minds during this time of year. Um, family issues, other issues that just cloud our mind and our thoughts, and sometimes we're not able to really press in to what God has for us and what he wants us to be reminded of in this particular time of year. But I shared last week that we can't ever forget that Jesus is the center of all of this. If we forget that Jesus is the reason for all this, not only this season, but let's be honest, every season, Jesus is the reason for it. If we forget that, we'll miss what God has for us. Um, there's a scripture that says, Jesus, Jesus says, the enemy comes to steal to kill and to destroy, but, but I came. And what I like about that is as soon as that, that word but comes up in Scripture, it cancels out everything before it. So the enemy comes to steal, to kill, and destroy from you, but Jesus came that you would have life and that you would have it more abundantly. Some translations say to the full or till it overflows. So God desires for you and for me to have abundant life. Why am I opening with this? Because this is the time of year where we celebrate Him coming. And if you don't understand why he came and what he came to bring, then you won't be able to receive what God has for you. How many of you know that you're in this place and that you have, you have life and breath in your body that God has something for you? Shout amen. God has something that he wants to do in your life, but I need to remind you before I get into the word that the enemy doesn't want you to have it. And many of you are facing resistance in different areas of your life. You're facing battles and struggles in areas of your life. The reason you're facing them is because the enemy does not resist something that's not moving. Y'all missed that already. I'm preaching better than y'all are saying amen. But you, you resist. The enemy does not resist something that's not moving. And you may feel like you're not going anywhere. You, feel, you may not feel like God is moving you in the direction that, that you believe your faith is taking you. But that resistance, watch this, is proof of your purpose. It's proof of the fact that everything that the enemy is trying to keep from you and trying to steal from you, God is going to push you through and thrust you into. Say amen. Sometimes you got to take hold of it and you got to see it and believe it and receive it before you receive it. See, sometimes we come in and we, we can't have the joy that God has for us and the peace that God has for us because we haven't seen what we believe he promised manifest yet in front of our eyes. But you got to sometimes take that thing by faith before you see it, that abundant life that he promised, that life overflowing that he promised, even though you may not feel. Many of you today may not feel like you're experiencing yet. you got to take hold of it by faith. Shout amen. I need y'all to help me preach this thing this morning. So God with us, part three of this series is simply titled Cornerstone. And I want to tell you that one of the, the cornerstones of our faith as believers is incarnation. And we, I don't try to, 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 to share a lot of big words and messages that I preach, and some people may have never even heard that word incarnation before, but I want to share a little bit 
with you on this today and make it practical and bring it down so there's some tools that we can take out into our daily life from this that I believe will help us. Let's go to the scriptures in Matthew chapter 1. This is what it says. It says, this is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her fiancé, was a good man and not, did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, Joseph, son of David. The angel said, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. There's some things in you that God is doing by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. We will save his people from their sins. All this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin shall conceive a child. She'll give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. I want you to just hold that thought for a minute, Emmanuel, God with us. Uh, for those of you who haven't word, heard that word incarnation before, it, Wiki defines it, and I'm not a big fan of Wiki, but it defines it in an interesting way. It says, uh, in Christian theology, the doctrine of the incarnation holds that Jesus, the preexistent divine logos, and the second hypostasis of the Trinity, God the Son and the Son of the Father, take on human body and human nature, was made flesh, conceived in the womb of Mary, the doctrine of incarnation then entails that Jesus Christ is fully God and fully human. His two natures join in hypostatic union. Now, let me stop you. I have a doctoral degree, and I don't understand half of that. <laughs> Which means that maybe you might be like, well, I lost you. You lost me at the second sentence. So let's look at this today from a different perspective. Let's look at it from a little bit of different perspective and make it as simple as we can so we can all really bring, bring it home. Incarnation means this. It means God became flesh. It means that God, the Holy One, the King of the universe, the one who spoke the moon, the sun, and the stars into existence, that he became flesh, just like you and I. John 1.1 tells us this. It says that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then we go to verse 14 of that same chapter, and it says, The Word, God, became flesh, and he made his dwelling among us. And I don't know that we really appreciate all of that means that the God of this universe who spoke man into existence, breathed in his nostrils the breath of life, took on flesh to come and be among us for our benefit. That's good to say amen right there. And so I said, well, how could we tell this story in a way that uh, maybe it would really hit home for us today? So imagine with me this conversation between God the Father and God the Son. Now, God has a, a conversation with Jesus, and he's like, this is your mission. Should you choose to accept it? Let me tell you, Jesus, what it's going to cost you. I'm going to select a woman named Mary to be your mother. Can you, can you, everybody following me? So he's talking, he's having this conversation with Jesus. Let me, let me select this woman named Mary to be your mom. You're really going to like her. She's a young girl. She lives in Nazareth, and 
She is devoted to our will. And she's not like all the other girls just messing around, playing truth or dare or spin the bottle. But she's a virgin. She's pure in every way. She saved herself. And you're also, you're going to have a stepdad named Joseph. He'll be your earthly dad. He's not going to get a whole lot of attention in the scripture. He might get a verse or two. (laughs) Y'all don't hear about Joseph a lot in the scripture. So he'll get a verse or two. Mary's going to have a bunch of statues, you know, devoted to her. But Joseph will let him be in one of those nativity scenes every now and then. Joseph's not going to be that important. The, The star of this story is Mary. But just so we're clear, Jesus, you are going to leave the glory of heaven, the glory that you're used to. And before you actually get on earth, I'm going to need you to be in Mary's belly for nine months. I don't think we, we, we understand that. And Jesus, if he was funny, if he was a comedian like one of us, God, don't you have a quicker way to send me? I mean, I am, I am your son. Do I have to sit in the belly for nine months? You could send me by a stork like they do on the movies. <laughs> But God explains, no, you've got to be born of a woman because there's some things that I've got to to accomplish through you in this earth. Now, you're going to be all God and you're going to be all man. Most people are going to expect you to be born in the palace, but you're not going to be born in the palace. I need you to be born in a common place, a place that nobody really would appreciate. As a matter of fact, you're not going to be born in a palace. I need you to be born maybe, maybe in a cave next to farm animals. Maybe in a place where they don't even have room for you in the hotels or whatever. You're a king, but you're not coming how people expect you. you may have missed that. Some of us don't receive the gift that God has for us because it's coming in a way we don't expect. Some of us don't receive what God has for us and the gift. He's trying to give a gift to you, but you're so hung up on how it's packaged. It's not, you you know how you go through the grocery store and you can see uh, canned vegetables. And if the the, the can is dented, you'll pass over the one that's dented to get the one that's, that's just right. Now, the corn and the beans are the same in both of them. But we pass over things when we don't like how they're packaged. Could it be that many of us are missing the miracles that God has for us? They're missing the the, the blessings that he has for us because we can't get past the surface of how it was packaged. That's why they couldn't receive Jesus when he came. That's why they had so much trouble understanding uh, different things about him when he came because he was always coming in a way that they didn't prepare for and they didn't understand. But... Jesus is like, you know what, God, you want me to come this way? I'll come this way. Whatever your will is for my life, that's what I'll do. Everyone will know that I came for them. I didn't just come for the rich. I didn't just come for those who had it all together. I didn't come for all of those who had it all figured out. But I'm coming to this earth for everyone. And that should be encouragement for you and for I today, because no matter what we're dealing with, no matter what we're going through, no matter what's going on in our hearts and in our minds, Jesus came to this earth for you. And he didn't just come to save you, but he came to give you life. And I need you to understand that today, that no matter what you're facing, what you're dealing with, no matter what struggle you came in with today, no matter what the enemy used to try to kill your joy, steal your peace, steal what God has for you, Jesus came for you today. 
He showed up for you. And sometimes you can be going through so much that you don't even believe it anymore, but you need to dust yourself off. You need to take the blinders off and say, this is for me. Jesus, what you came to do, you came to do for me. Because too many times in this, this, this season, it's about gifts and presents and trees and, and all this other stuff, but we'll miss the point that he came to do something in us. Come on. He came to do something in us that only he could do. He was living and he came in a time of extreme persecution. He came in a time where there was a lot of unrest in the world. He came in a time where those who had money and those who were rich and those who were powerful were the ones that were esteemed highly. Not too different than our time right now and the values that we have right now. But Jesus came for those who didn't have it all. He came for those who didn't have all necessarily material possessions. He came to save and to, to bring life to everyone. But his life wasn't going to come without test and challenge. See, when Jesus was born, Satan and all the demons, all the enemies of hell tried to stop it. And so the, the king at that time, I just need you to understand this, and we, I promise you we'll get happy in a minute, but, but you need to understand this part of it to really appreciate it. The fact that the king at the time, when he heard that Jesus was coming into the world, actually uh, put out a hit on Jesus. And so there were babies from two and under being killed trying to get Jesus. But how many of you know God's plan won't fail? If God said he's going to do it, he's going to do it. And that's what you need to understand. If God says something is coming your way, it's coming your way regardless of what the enemy tries to do to stop it. His whole family was going to be in danger. He had to spend his earliest years on the run with his family because they were trying to kill him. But Jesus, he's living this sinless life. He's living this common life of what normally would not be a king. He grows up as a carpenter, not knowing that, watch this, the wood that he's working on would be the very material that they would put him on a cross and kill him on for you and for me. He knows all of this, but because he sees you and because he sees me, he says, I'm coming anyway. See, Jesus doesn't love us because of he loves us in spite of. So, see, all, uh, man loves you because of. Man loves you because of what you can do for him. But Jesus knows everything about you. He knows everything about me. He knows every thought, every word, and he still chooses to love us. And he still chose to, to come into this earth, live a sinless life, work miracles, be betrayed by those close to him, be left alone to die on the cross for you and for me. See, it was so important, I say, to, to if we're going to talk about Jesus coming, we got to talk what, about why he came. No matter what Jesus did on this earth, they still didn't respect him. They still, they still didn't respect him. You know why? Because they got familiar with him. They said that even though, they said, 
How, how is Jesus able to work all of these miracles? How is he able to do all of this? Isn't he the carpenter? He's the one. In other words, as he lives this life, they get used to Jesus. It's quiet in here. You know why it's quiet? Because we can serve God every day and lose our wonder and lose the awe of who he is. And we become familiar, so familiar with him that we don't appreciate him. That's why. Do you ever wonder why Jesus never healed the same way? Look at the Bible. He'd lay hands on some people. He'd spit on some people's eyes. He'd speak to other people. He, he never wanted people caught up in a method or a routine. But that's what we get caught up in in our life. We get caught up in a routine. So if something messes up our routine, we can't handle it. If God decides I want to interrupt your schedule and do something different, and move differently, and work the miracle differently in your life, we can't see it because he's got to move the way we want him to. But through his birth to his death, he shows us that I'm going to do this in a way that you don't understand. See, everybody was coming, watch this, when he was born, and they knew that the king was coming, they thought he was coming just as an earthly king to give them comfort in this life. Why are you saying that? Because when they found out that it was bigger than comfort in this life, they failed to appreciate him, just like we do. When he comes, and he's not bringing us comfort here, right now, and fixing it right now, we can't handle him. Then we begin to question whether he's really there. But the reality is, if you don't take anything from this message... Take the fact that he's showing up in your situation, he's showing up in your circumstances, but he may show up in a way you don't expect him to. How many of you still with me? A couple of you. All right. Jesus lived in a way that if we pay attention, we won't ever lose our wonder and our awe of him. See, he's the one, in case you forgot, he's the one that turned water into wine. And people, rather than see the fact that he turned it into wine, we want to debate whether the wine was alcoholic or not. <laughs> he was the one. He said, I just need to remind some people in here today of who Jesus actually was. See, he was the one that if people were blind from birth, he healed them. You can have an issue from the day you were born, but it's not too hard for God. It may be too hard for you, but it's not too hard for God. He was the one, when people are deaf, he said, I need you to open those ears. And those ears open. Why? Because he is God. And when he spoke, something happened. Why am I saying that? Because when he speaks over your life, something will happen. See, in case you forgot, in case you came in here and didn't know who God was, didn't know who Jesus was, or you needed to meet him, he's the one that was able to raise people from the dead. And they didn't just have to be dead. They, he, he was able to raise them after they had been dead four days. What miracle are you waiting on? See, he could do all of that, and people still hated him. They called him a hypocrite, a drunk, a lunatic. They said he was dangerous. They said he was an enemy. But you know what he did? He said, I'm just going to keep showing you that I'm the son of God. So y'all can hate on me all you want, but my life is going to testify for me. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to cleanse lepers. 
I'm going to befriend the prostitutes and the hookers. I'm going to love those who all religion rejects. You know why? Because I came to do something in their lives. You know what happened? You would think it would touch people. But the more he loved them, the more they hated him. But you know what he did? He just kept on loving, kept on healing, kept on setting free. Because he realized this. He realized that love isn't what we do. Love is who we are. There's a difference. You can get so caught up in what you do that you forget who he created you to be. You get so focused and frustrated when things don't go your way, but forget, no, he created me to be something. And so by the power of the Holy Spirit living inside of me, I'm just going to surrender and be and let him work and move in my life. How did Jesus handle all of these attacks in his life? He handled them with the word. And so when the devil attacks us, we have to fight back with the word of God. If you are silent today, the enemy will win. I believe that. And if one person catches it and receives it, that's fine because I came to preach to you today. That if you keep your mouth closed, the enemy's going to win. But if you will praise the Lord in spite of what you're going through, if you'll say like Job said, you know, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. But blessed be the name of the Lord. You'll break the shackles of the enemy in your life. Today, we have to fight back with the word of God. That's what Jesus did. The enemy came to him just like he comes to you. He said, you know what? If you're the son of God, turn these stones into bread. And Jesus said, it is written. Now, he could have done it just like there's some things you can do. And you'll be tempted to do them. But you don't respond to the enemy with works. You respond to him with what's written. So when he reminds you of you're not this and you're not that, you're never going to be anything, and I remind you all about your past, you know what you say? You know what? If any man is in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things are passed away. When the enemy comes to you and he tells you it's never going to work out, it's never going to change, you say, you know what? My God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. You answer with what is written. Then he tries to, to, to test him, and Jesus says, it's written. He tries to tempt Jesus with riches, and he says, it is written. What's your mission? See, Jesus knew what his mission was, but my, my challenge to everybody in this room today is, what is your mission? What is your mission? Why are you here? What did he call you to do? You see, the other thing that you have to answer is who are you going for? Once you find out what your mission is and what the mission is that God has called you to, who are you going for? Because your mission, the call upon your life, the things that God wants you to do, let me tell you something, they're not about you. We've been taught year after year after year that all of this, everything that we do is about us. No, it's not about you. It's about who he wants to reach 
through you. So not only do you need to know who you're going for, but you need to know why you're going. See, motive is everything. Jesus is our example. And if I were to paraphrase Matthew 1, to 23, and it'll be on the screen, but if I were to pra- paraphrase it, you know, he's prophesying about Jesus' arrival here on this earth, and he's talking about what's going to happen. And he says to, to Mary, you're going to have a child. Name's going to be Jesus, but the purpose the reason he's coming, he's not coming for his own glory. He's not coming for himself. He's coming to save you from your sins. He has a very specific assignment. He's going to be called Emmanuel. He's going to be God with us. He's going to live a sinless life. He's going to have sweat drops of blood dropping from his head as his life ends. And he's going to do it so that we could have abundant life. That we could live a life pleasing to him. Here's what I want you to understand. No matter what you came in with today, because we all come with different things. We all come with different agendas. We all come with with things on our heart, petitions on our heart that we want God to move in. We want him to work in. Some of us came honestly can, can I be a real transparent pastor with you today? Some of us don't even know why we came. We came and we said, you know what? I'm just going to give God one more shot. Doing this long enough to know that just because we smile and hug and understand churchy language, that doesn't mean everything is all right. Sometimes we need God to do a real transformative inner work in us so that we can move on. In this season, I want you to take your focus off. If, 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 if it's even remotely on anything materialistic, any, any of these temporal things, I want you to just for a few minutes as you close your eyes, just, just block everything out for a minute. Just close your eyes and just focus on Jesus. Just for a minute. That, that all of this, there's a reason. Watch this. There's a reason that we can have joy today. The reason we can have joy is because it's not tied up in a thing. It's not tied up. It, I don't know who I'm preaching to today. But the joy that we're supposed to have, because the joy that Jesus was supposed to bring, it, it's not tied up in him working out this little detail in our life so that things can be better. It's tied up in the presence of Emmanuel, God with us. That means that no matter what I'm in, he'll jump in with me. And if that's the case, no matter how alone I feel, I'm never truly alone. No matter who left you, who lied to you, who betrayed you, those who you thought should have came through a certain way, did something a certain way, those of who may have let you down, Emmanuel, 
God with us. A reason to rejoice because he is with us. Now with your head bowed, your eyes closed, you may have come in. And you came in and you say, you know what? That, that, that joy, that peace that you talked about, that abundant life that you say Jesus came to bring, I'm, I've not been experiencing it. I just be real. I've not been experiencing it, I, but I need it. I know I need that. I need that. If, if that's you, I'm not going to embarrass you. just want you to slip your hand up so I can pray for you. Or you came in and you say, I'm not. I'm, God bless you. I pray for you. Appreciate your honesty. I need what Jesus came to bring. That's our prayer today. I, I need that. If you're here and you've never been saved, never received Jesus as your Savior, you lift your hand up. Um, nobody's going to call you up or embarrass you. I just want to see who I'm praying for. Um, some of us have been taught a long time that we have to get everything right, have it all together before we come to Jesus. But that's not the case. He wants you to come. Just bring it any way you need to bring it and surrender it to him. Everybody lift your hands. If you're comfortable with that, slip your hands. Pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we lift up those who have acknowledged the need for you and the need for you to step into their life and their situation and to move. Lord, this is a, a joyous time of year. But for so many, the enemies tried to steal their joy, steal their peace, steal their hope. And let them be reminded today it's not always going to be this way. Even though it's been this way a long time for some, it can begin to change. And Lord, just let our hands lifted be a sign that we receive. Not trying to work up anything. We just want to receive what you came to do. You said that you came that we might have life. We received that life today. You're the one who's made it possible. And Lord, we lay down everything that's not like you, anything that's keeping us, I feel so strongly about this today. Some of us, there's, there's things that we know are, are keeping us for, from the fullness of God's blessing. And Lord, we may not even know how to let it go or how to give it up, but we surrender it to you and trust you to lead us, to guide us, to direct us. And in this season, I pray unity upon families, restoration upon families, restoration upon friendships that, that even may have been broken for silly, ridiculous reasons. Lord, I pray, Lord, that our eyes would, the eyes of our understanding would be open. Lord, that you give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. And Lord, that we would experience like never before your peace, your faith, and your hope. Or it's in Jesus' name we pray. And we thank you for it. And everyone shout amen. And shout amen. Amen. We're just going to sing together one last time. <clears throat> if you need prayer at any time, the prayer team is up here. If you have any, any prayer needs, I'd love to pray with you. 
And the rest of us, feel free to worship. You can sit, stand. We're just going to sing together one last time. Oh, bro. 
Lord, as we enter into, into Christmas, I pray that every individual here would know that you did come for the world, but you came for the one. Each person here, Lord, you came all the way from heaven to redeem each individual. So God, I thank you that no matter where we are, if we're far from you, if we're close to you, Lord, you chose us before the foundations of the earth, and you sent your son to be born in a manger to redeem each and every one of us. Lord, even though we're far from you and we're sinners, God, you, you came to rescue us. So I pray that all of us would, would keep that in mind. Lord, remind us as we spend time with friends and family, as we leave today, God, that you came for each one of us to redeem us, Lord. Lord, we ask you to give us the grace to live that out every day. In your name we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you all for coming. Have a wonderful Christmas, and we'll see you next time. Thank you so much.